Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another live stream of the Teamwork A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I am joined on your left on the screen by my co-host, the incomparable Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you? Great, Christian. Very, very good. Happy to be with you. I'm so excited about all the, the snow we have. I went uh, hiking in the snow this morning. It was like 18 inches of snow, so it was pretty crazy. Holy smokes. We live 20 minutes away from each other. We have no snow. I have a dusting of snow in my yard, and that's it. But our daughter, you know, attends the University of Utah, lives up on campus. She said they had a foot of snow from the storm a few days ago, and they got more snow last night. So what a funny storm. Yeah, I mean, it's like 18 inches uh, uh, of snow, so that's that's crazy. Welcome back, because uh, weren't you uh, in uh, North Carolina yesterday? I was, yeah. I was in I was in beautiful Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, having you know working with some emerging leaders on on some leadership skills, and that was that was fabulous. Well, congratulations, and uh, I'm glad you had a safe trip back home. Yeah, you know, home I, for a while. I I, I am. I mean, I've I've got some stuff. I mean, in town training and lots of stuff. What was interesting? I was sitting on the uh, the tarmac on the plane yesterday, and this is a, a first time experience. What happened is they said, you know, we have a 10 minute delay before we take off because the plane is too heavy, and the pilot said, we're going to allow some fuel to burn. You know, and I, my first thing was, okay, with gas prices the way they are, that's wonderful, right? The hundreds of pounds of fuel were, were burning in 10 minutes so that we could take off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I guess that's better than the alternative, right? Which is taking off too heavy and risking a, a crash or something. So, exactly. Uh, Safety sure. is paramount. Safety that, is paramount. That, that's right. So I have to tell you before we get into our yeah, what's new? Tech last week. And... Uh, Thank you for coming, Spencer, and, and uh, supporting us. Uh, we had a great live session; over 100 people attended, and uh, uh, it was uh, it was a really, really great experience to participate in Roots Tech this year. So uh, now we're extremely busy, and that's a good thing. Oh, that's so wonderful! You know, it was good to be there and see how you know the application for storytelling with your with your platform, and to see all the people that were there. Uh, that's great. And, and then people are actually coming after Roots Tech and watching the, the video that you created and, and becoming interested in. And also for the commercial application of, of the tool, Raconto. Yeah, so the business application is potentially enormous. Uh, we've had over 1,200 views of the live session on YouTube after Roots Tech ended. And uh, things are just going very, very well. So yeah, we're super excited. And we got to mention in a blog post from uh, Family Tree Magazine uh, that was at Roots Tech. Uh, I just saw that about uh, 20 minutes ago. So uh, many thanks to Family Tree Magazine for featuring us in their blog of Roots Tech. That is fantastic. Wow. Really great news. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Well, let's get back to the topic at hand because you've got an interesting one for us today, Spencer. So what is it that you want to touch on? Yeah, I want to talk about Listen, there's a lot of characteristics of high-performing teams, and we're going to talk about a, a few of them today. And um, and so I, I, I'm I'm excited to to really focus on one part of of that, and and, and that's really how you handle diversity. You know, diversity is a, a very hot topic today, and you know, I want you to think about diversity in maybe a, a little different light. 
not just because, you know, we have diversity of, uh, you know, of uh, just how people look or, or sex or whatever. You know, obviously in our workplace, we have too few women, too few people of, of color. And, and uh, you know, but that's not the only measure of diversity. Even if you have those, are you listening? Are, are you hearing each other? Or are people separating into their own little quote-unquote tribes and and i think it's interesting there's a, there's a lot of things happening right now in the world that i think mirror what's going on at a corporate level that i think we need to just be aware of maybe you live in a community christian for example where you go to a store and most people look like you i mean i, I remember living in las vegas and when i go to costco it was a very different experience than say going to st george or even here in utah just the the you know, the demographic makeup of the people that were in the stores. And here in, in our society, here in the United States anyway, we have this phenomenon that's happening where, you know, we have what's called red states and blue states. And for those of you who are not here from the United States, the, you know, red states are usually considered conservative politically and the blue states are, are, are more liberal conservative, I mean, as opposed to conservative. And one of the things that's happening is is that the red states are getting redder and the blue states are getting bluer. What does that mean? People are moving to where they're comfortable to be with their tribe because we're so afraid to, to speak up and, and offend people that it's wearing us out. And so we're, we're going to where people are more like us. And there's danger in that. Yeah, there is danger in that because then you start living in an echo chamber and uh, people start forming their own realities. And, uh, and that can be dangerous because uh, you start making decisions based on a limited set of inputs, which may or may not result in a, you know, from a, from a corporate perspective, uh, you may not get the results that you want because you're surrounded by yes men or people that think just like you. And uh, your chances of actually achieving success are greater if you have diversity of thought uh, in your organization. I, I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, I went to the Rose Bowl this year and, you know, some people that I, I knew uh, ended up staying down in Orange County, a significant distance away from Pasadena. And the reason they did that was because Orange County was more conservative and they felt more comfortable there. This right. is not a judgment on them. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's just because they just naturally wanted to be with people that they felt shared their value system and and so you're absolutely right this is this is a true phenomena and and we have to be careful in organizations that we don't fall into a trap that leads us to complacency and suboptimal performance because right. we are operating in an echo chamber exactly yeah and there, there's a there's a ton of research well well stated and summarized there's a ton of information that that it really expresses that diverse cultures and organizations are are more financially profitable. They, 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 they're more successful. They have a culture that is not anti-fragile. And that really, that's the point of where we're going to get. But, but before we get there, you know, I want to just to, to highlight what I'm observing and what's, what, what I see with limited information, what's happening in Eastern Europe and Ukraine and, and, and Russia. And it, you know, it, it seems like based on, you know, the, the Putin's, uh, um, strategy that 
the, the Ukrainian people will rise up and, you know, consider them liberators, right? Because he has this, there's really no opposition. There's nobody challenging his perspective. And they're, they're, uh, you've got people right now, I mean, I'm reading news reports of, of news reporters that are leaving the country because they're afraid of a, you know, going back to Cold War era Iron Curtain and they'll be locked in there and they, they just, they, they don't want to. So you've got all these people that are dissenting voices that are being, A, put into prison or leaving the country. And so you're having this brain drain. And I, I just see the same thing going on in organizations when we don't allow those voices to be heard. They're like, I'm going to, I'm going to go where, where people will actually appreciate and listen to my brilliance. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're spot on there, and it's not to minimize what is happening in Ukraine because what what is happening there is absolutely horrific. Absolutely. And so and so, uh, you know, we're not saying this, uh, you know, flippantly. No. But 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 it's just to it's just to kind of highlight a point, which is as you just mentioned, uh, our organizations can lose people. Uh, if we don't encourage this diversity and then we end up with a bunch of people that think it like ourselves and then our organization suffers. And, and right. so we've we, got we, to, we validate all our bad decisions that can have huge implications, not only within our organization, but, but uh, in, in, you know, in the lives of the people who, who work with us. And that's one of the things that, that we're seeing. So, so where do we go? So here's the, the thing that I, I think we really need to, to look at as leaders in organizations is creating an environment where we don't just talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but we, 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 we live it. And that is we look for the voices that are maybe different than ours. We encourage those, those voices. And, you know, Christian, one of the things that I notice in, in working with a lot of senior executives all around the world is that there, right now, and, and always, but right now there's, there's some interesting pressures on organizations. There's not enough manpower. Organizations are really struggling to fulfill a lot of their orders and, and, and commitments. You know, they're, they're, they're struggling. Sales isn't a problem, but fulfillment is and so people are working long hours you've got people covering shifts of people that have left the organization or have been able to be replaced so logistics and supply chain challenges and pricing i mean all these things are putting some very unique stresses on organizations and a lot of leaders are very focused on efficiency that's not a bad thing unless it comes at the expense of effectiveness. And, and so what do I mean by that? Sometimes we, we feel like in our meetings, for example, we just want to get to the point and, and, and run that agenda and get out of that meeting and get back to work. And so we're not giving those, you know, we're not giving time to those people in our organization to, to dissent or to speak up or to, or, or to challenge. And, and because it's perceived that that's messy, it's not efficient, it takes time. What, so what would you say to that? Uh, well, there are interesting ways to handle this. And I actually want to bring in an experience from Salt Lake 2002. And we've talked about it before here on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that experience was these decision-making weekly meetings that um, the executives uh, would have with the uh, managers of the departments. And uh, each manager was basically given five minutes to present something and then they would make a decision right then and there 
what that did though was it allowed it to be efficient and effective the managers knew that they need to come prepared mm. i've got to i've got to i've got to talk about this issue in less than 5 minutes to get a decision so i need to really study up and i need to figure out how to communicate this very very effectively which is different than just showing up in a meeting and everybody starts talking about their problems not really thinking about it you know so you can have a disciplined approach or you can be very efficient and you and people can still communicate effectively but they but they have to understand this and buy into that process and if they do they will come prepared to these meetings and you can make fast decisions so so this is a characteristic of a high performing team when you have a team that understands the the importance of meetings they don't just show up and think oh it's another meeting for meeting's sake but to get work done in the meeting is a sign a of, of great leadership and of the willingness to hear all perspectives. And so my, however, I still think that it, when you give voice to diverse perspectives, it takes more time to come to a consensus initially. And so that's why I say is we're so focused on efficiency sometimes in the beginning that we're not being effective. And in the long term, it ends up being less efficient because we haven't actually gotten buy-in, we lose good people, we, we make poor decisions, and so we have to go back and actually rehash everything that we didn't do right the first time. So what, what I, where I was going was this, this sole focus on, hey, I, you know, we just got to go, go, go right now because of all these other pressures, we have to be more and more efficient. That is paradoxically causing you to be less efficient. You know, one of the things that I think organizations can do uh, is, you know, we often use these things, right? These racy or ratsy um, charts, yeah, right. So, so where you've got responsible, accountable, uh, consulted, and informed, right. And at the outset, if you get everybody to agree that these are our roles, you know, uh, if there is a particular project or an initiative that's being undertaken in the organization. You kind of uh, you kind of address it at, at the outset so people understand what the expectations are. I understand that I'm going to be consulted on this, mm. but ultimately I'm not responsible for delivering. I am consulted. My voice will be listened to. I understand that I'm going to be informed of progress as things going on, but that's uh, that's it, you know. Or I understand that I'm going to be responsible for actually delivering uh, these certain milestones or whatever. And so a, a lot can be done to just you know, help set expectations at the outset of these projects by just making sure everybody understands their roles and responsibilities. And a lot of times people don't feel like they are, they are adequately represented because they don't understand what role they're supposed to be playing. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't agree more. Christian. I hear too often that people are just burned out of meetings and there's too many meetings when in fact, you know, it's possible that we actually need to have more meetings, but more of the right kinds of uh, meetings and, and manage them better. And like you say, I mean, if people come to that meeting prepared, that meeting goes very, very quickly and, and everybody knows what their marching orders are and then, and then they go and, and they, <clears throat> excuse me, people feel, feel heard. Um, so I, I want to share with you an, uh, another phenomenon, just, just let's just use my my experience yesterday with with a group of, of people as an example. <laughs> Excuse me. We had 
close to 30 people in, in the class. And one of the things I, I like to do, and, and I was specifically talking about what's called leadership impact and, and closing the gap between your good intentions as a leader and your actual impact as a leader. And it, 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 a, a big part of that is emotional intelligence and, you know, how our brains work, neuroscience and, and you know, how we are kind of uh, getting in our own way a lot of a lot of times. And one of the things I do is I have them take a behavioral assessment. We've talked about my behavioral assessment many times. And one of the reasons why I take it for this class, uh, two things. First of all, it shows what kind of stress the leader is under. There's, there's good stress and there's bad stress, right? There's good stress is what we call U-stress. That's E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. And then there's distress. That's the, that's the negative stress that, you know, causes a lot of anxiety and frustration. The good stress is the one we put on ourselves for, you know, hey, I want to be more empowering leader. I, you know, I want to be more effective. I want to lose weight, whatever. We put stress on ourselves. And that type of stress is actually very good for us. We thrive under certain types of stress. And hopefully we'll talk about that in just a moment. What, what I notice is, so, so the first part is it measures that stress. And the second part, it measures how they behave under stress. And typically those behaviors under stress are creating a, a, a negative impact, which is not what they intend. And so they have to be aware of that impact. And now there's a concept that's called ego depletion that the psychologist Roy Baumeister identified. And what he said was willpower is a limited, there's a limited source of willpower, all right? And, and they've studied this phenomenon, for example, in Israeli prisons where, uh, you know, the, the, the prisoners who were up for parole uh, in the first half of the day had a, had a much greater chance of, of achieving parole than those prisoners that went before the parole board after lunch. And, you know, think, think about it. I mean, basically, you're worn down, you're tired, you don't have time to, you know, to adjust and to think. I mean, think about the beginning of the day, and let's say you've got this desire to lose weight, right? You're all motivated and engaged. You went to the gym, you get to the office, and somebody brought, you know, fresh baked chocolate chip cookies and, you know, wafted under your nose, and you're like, nope, I'm on a diet. But by the end of the day, when you have dealt with all the challenges and frustrations and anxieties, you're like, give me that dang cookie. Or when we get home to be with our family, we've used up all of our good behavior and we give the family sometimes the remains of the day. So this is an example of what's called um, ego depletion, right? And it, it, we just, we've used up our, our willpower and, and so we, we go to our, our bad behavior. What I notice is that people who are in organizations that are shifting their behavior to fit in to the culture are oftentimes using a lot of energy to be somebody that they're not. And I think this is a problem with, with diversity is, is that we're feeling the need to fit into our communities, into our body, you know, into the cultures of our company, and we're not embracing that diversity of, of thought. Now, we can take that too far. I mean, I, I'm a believer that, you know, we can't just all decide to be who we are all the time because sometimes, I mean, some people think, well, I just have to speak my truth and my honesty. And sometimes you do that at the detriment of, of the people that, you know, that you're around, but there's a way to share information in a, in a manner that people can actually hear. And that takes some practice and some experience and some working 
The problem I see is that we have people shifting almost all of their behaviors. People that are high dominant say, oh, I've got to be, you know, I have to be more supportive. I can't be in control. I need to be more expressive. I need to be, you know, more flexible. And, and, and so as a result, they're, they're, they're putting a ton of energy into shifting their behavior. And that's draining that energy then that is needed to fight the fight of life, uh, of, of, you know, dealing with challenges. And so when, when they get to, I, I was talking to one executive, female, and she was, she was brilliant. She had all these questions for me about her profile. And, and she says, yo, this is so accurate. And I said, based on your profile, you are somebody that sees the downside and is always warning the team about the risks of all decisions. She says, I do that all the time. I'm always, I, I'm always the, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm labeled the doom and gloom uh, you know, whatever. I can't remember exactly what she said. I said, it's good that you bring that voice and how you share that message is also very important because after a while people will stop, stop listening to you. I know that sounds almost, uh, it's like contradictory what I just said, yet we need to be able to, to embrace the, the diverse perspectives, but we also need to learn how to do it in a way that the team can hear and, and can accept. All right. So I've got a thought on that and you've talked about it many times on this podcast. And I know it's a, it's an important subject for you. Uh, yes, it's important for us to kind of monitor our behavior, but we're doing this because in large part, uh, people, these days, and this is a, uh, this is an overgeneralization, I know. Um, but we, we have seen people become more judgmental and less empathetic, which means that as a person in an organization, I feel like I have to behave perfectly. If I make one mistake, I could be shot down. And, and so this creates a lot of stress. So part of creating this um, diverse organization is helping people learn to be more empathetic and understanding and less judgmental. So you feel a little bit more comfortable in the organization and you're not so afraid of saying one thing wrong that could torpedo your entire career. You know, and, and, and as a result of that, a lot of people are just holding their tongue and that's why You've got some meetings where people are just sitting on their hands because they're afraid that if they speak up, they're going to offend somebody or hurt their career. And I think that's that's a very a valid perspective. And, you know, one of the things that, that I've learned that an executive should do if that's happening in your meetings is mine for conflict. And, and here's what I mean by that. I think I've talked about this this before with you, Christian, but that is if nobody is speaking up, the, the executive says, we cannot move forward unless somebody speaks up against the idea. Because we've heard all the reasons for it, or why I believe. Now we need to hear from somebody why this is a bad idea, or we can't move on. You know, ultimately, that's exactly right, Spencer. And ultimately, what happens is these organizations become weak, and our employees become fragile. And this takes me to the point that you brought up at the beginning of our conversation, which was this concept of anti-fragility. So what do you, what does this mean? What is, what does it mean to be anti-fragile? But we think, just think about fragile. Uh, what, what is that? It means that when somebody says something that you disagree with, you shut down or you, or, or you rejected it. Right. And so 
one of the things I spend a lot of times with executives on is that stop talking so much. It's especially, you know, my generation, uh, you know, I'm, the, I'm a tweener, right? Right between Gen X and, and Baby Boomer. But the older leaders, they just want to do all the talking because they have all the answers. Stop talking, start listening. And when we listen, we need to not listen to respond. We need to listen truly to understand. And that's a, you know, that really speaks to empathy. What you were talking about earlier is we, we're not having that empathy. We're not trying to understand each other's perspective. And so when we're fragile, it means we, we, we're not willing to hear a dissenting opinion because it might hurt our ego. It might threaten our, our control. It might undermine our authority. But when we're anti-fragile, we're confident in our leadership. We're confident in our ability to, to deal with adversity and, and, and hardship. And so we welcome. You know, some of the best leaders I know ask for people to say, hey, not only you know, how am I using my strengths? Well, I'd love to hear how I'm doing well. But more than that, I want to hear where I struggle. I want to hear how... I may be causing problems for the team. Would you be willing to share that with me? I'd really like it if you would. I think that would be very helpful because I, I want to get better. It takes a confident person to be able to ask for that type of feedback. That's anti-fragile, right? And so anti-fragile means that, you know, if you think about our, our society today, there so often we hear about microaggressions, right? People don't, you know, they 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 don't want to hear uh, opinions in the colleges. They don't want to have people that disagree with them on campus talking because uh, they they feel threatened, and as a result, they cut themselves off. They separate themselves from from that diversity, and they only surround themselves, to use your word, with the echo chamber of people that believe like them, and and they actually become weakened in their ability to to deal with adversity and challenges yeah it's, it's interesting, interesting when we talk about this concept of anti-fragile uh, we were talking about this before the podcast uh, you know i was recently was just hearing uh, someone talk about the biome uh, that was constructed down in arizona to see how people could live in you know like on mars in an enclosed colony and they put a lot of uh, vegetation and everything in there. And then the scientist knows that the trees died. And the reason the trees died is because there was no wind. And the trees required wind. They required this kind of positive stressor, I guess you call it, the eustressor or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's uh, actually called figmatropism. Yes, exactly. And so <laughs> they need to have that kind of uh, resistance to have the strength to survive. And if we, if we don't have that in our lives, uh, then we become weak and our organizations do too. That's right. You know, I, I, I like to climb mountains. I climb lots of mountains. When you go on the tops of mountains or higher up where there's lots of wind, the trees are very thick because, you know, you, you know what phototropism is where plants grow to the sun and then gravitropism is where their roots grow deep down. But sigma means touch, right? And so it's the wind that touches them and, and that, that, that resistance causes them to be stronger, to grow thicker shorter so that they can they can resist it. And, and humans are very much the same way. We are built to thrive under pressure. I mean just think about it for a second when when what happens when we, we sit in a in a in a on a couch or in a hospital bed, our our muscles atrophy, our ability to literally stand up. I mean when when we put 
astronauts on on the moon, the challenge was there was no gravity pulling them down. Gravity, we think, is you know is our enemy, right? But that pressure constantly on our bones and our muscles is what strengthens our bodies. So when we go to the gym and we have that resistance, that weight, our muscles grow bigger. It is the resistance that causes us to to increase in the ability to to to, to handle more stress, to handle more weight, to handle more pressure. If we don't, after a while, we sit on the on the couch. We won't even have the strength to lift the remote to change the channel. The same is true emotionally and mentally in our organizations. We need, in some cases, that that stress, the you know the right kind of conflict to to help us through difficult situations. To to and and when we are in stressful situations, we our, our minds are actually stimulated. We become more focused and more able to solve problems. And if we have created a culture where we can hear these different ideas. We're going to come up with better solutions, and that, Christian, is more efficient and effective. Okay, well, sign me up. I'm, I'm, I'm all on board here. Uh, Spencer, this has been a fascinating conversation today, and I look forward to having more conversations here in the f- near future. Are we done already? We have so much more to talk about. Jeez. I know. Well, that's the way it goes. You know, uh, you, you get on these topics, you want to talk for hours, and I wish we, we could. But uh, we'll respect the listeners' time today. So uh, people want to reach out to you, Spencer, and learn more about how Altium leadership can help their organizations or them personally. Uh, what's the best way for them to contact you? You know, e- email me, Spencer, at Altium Leadership. That's A L T. I-U-M, leadership. Uh, come to our website, altmleadership.com. We've got a brand new website. We're still working on a few things. We just wanted to simplify it and, and make it a little easier to navigate. But I'd love to see you there. You can connect with me on, on LinkedIn as well. And and Christian, how can how can we find you and learn more about Raconto? And... Oh, well, thank you very much. Uh, for Raconto, you can go to the website. It's uh, raconto.io, R-A-K-O-N-T-O.io. You can email me at christian at raconto.io. You can also uh, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, there's a million ways to get in contact with me. Uh, so I'd love to hear from any of you. All right, Spencer, thank you again uh, for another exciting, unpredictable week as we had the more technical challenges, but the listeners... I am so sorry. <laughs> And uh, we'll we'll, uh, talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys.